The Tablet Show, Episode 44, with guest Jeffrey Fritz. Recorded live Friday, June 29th, 2012. From thetabletshow.com, it's The Tablet Show. Conversations about developing software for tablets and other mobile devices with your hosts, Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell. In this episode, Carl and Richard talk to Jeffrey Fritz about doing unit testing of WinJS in Windows 8. This episode of The Tablet Show is sponsored by Telerik, offering the best in developer tools and support. Online at telerik.com. And now, here are Carl and Richard. Hey, guess what? It's The Tablet Show. Carl Franklin and Richard Campbell here for your listening pleasure. What's up, my friend? My Vancouver Inn friend? <laughs> I turned 45. Yes, you did. I did. I'm not long behind you. No, no. It's You're next, as I recall. Yeah. And uh, my birthday present was a surprise. I was given a, an address to plug into my car to drive to. And uh, when I arrived there, it turned out it was paintball. That's fun. So me and my much younger friends uh, got to go uh, beat the hell out of each other in paintball. And I am still wounded. Including Mark and Karen, right? Mark and Karen were there. Mark Miller, Karen Manchicotti from Mondays. Yeah, they were there. And uh, and a bunch of other folks I've known for the longest time. You, you know, my friends. It's fun. You weren't there. You should have been there. I should have, but I wasn't. Uh, we're having our second annual housewarming party on my birthday weekend. So that's Nice. Fun. Yeah. yeah, I'm still covered in bruises. I'm, You know, it turns out when you're 45, you heal slow. It turns out. Yeah. Hey, we're going to do things a little differently today. You want to live on the edge? I want to hear the comment first because it ties in with Better Know Framework. Oh. Okay. So who's talking to us? I grabbed a comment from show 42, and that was David Bates' show on the zombification of Flash, but the comment is from your Better Know Framework, and yeah. this comes from Phil Cave from the UK who says, regarding your comment, uh, Carl's number format problem is with a rogue comma. Let me preface this by saying I don't think it was with Better Know Framework. It was a comment that I made about dealing with globalization problems uh, with the comma. And I did not know that the comma was used as a decimal point yeah. in some cultures. Right. And that's yeah. exactly what Phil says here. Yeah. It's like uh, it could be something to do with the underlying culture info settings on the computer that produce the variation in Germany, many other European countries. The comma is used in place of the period to represent a decimal point. A period is used for the thousand separator. So in the U.S., it's forty-two comma zero 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 dot three one four, and in uh, Germany, it's forty-two period zero 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 comma four one three. Yeah, right. So they they exactly the same number, just literally swap the period and the comma locations around. Why do they do that? No, I'm just kidding. So <laughs> everybody should conform. I know to everybody. The US should, everybody should conform. What's weird about it is that. It, you know, it wasn't an issue where it would come up normally because I was using um, XML literals in VB and just writing an XML document with strings and 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 singles. Right? I'm I was sending a single, but it was formatting it as a string using uh, using the culture, or it wasn't using the culture. I think that was the problem. And so while everybody was expecting uh, the code was expecting a decimal point or was expecting a comma, I was getting a decimal point or vice versa, one or the other. So it, right. was, it was unclear how to fix the problem, but I did figure it out. But that leads me into Better Know Framework. Awesome. 
Because naturally, I went looking into uh, culture info in system globalization. You know, not something that I have to deal with all the time, but once in a while. And I found something really interesting. It actually came in the form of an email to me by a James McLaughlin who said he recently was writing some code that would take a string and capitalize each word while making the rest of each word lowercase. And it sounds like a simple loop looking for spaces. But he says, I also needed it to be aware that when a word started with a non-character and to capitalize the first real letter. Ah, there you go. Like product names in different languages, you know. Uh, I got thinking that there must be a .NET function that does this, possibly in the string class. Well, it turns out there is one, hmm. but in a class called System Globalization Text Info. So there is stuff in there. It has a function called toTitleCase, which does exactly what he describes above. And I actually made a tiny URL link to this. If you go to tinyurl.com slash global title case, it's just one of the many jewels in, and it's in .NET 4.5 as well, but it's also in older versions of the .NET framework. System.globalization.textinfo.toTitleCase. And that does the trick of, of ca essentially capitalizing the first letter of every word. Nice. It's pretty cool. Useful. There's all kinds of stuff like that in there. Tons and tons of plumbing. Well, anyway, if you've got a comment uh, on the tablet show, you can send it to us, .net rocks at franklins.net. You could try to leave it on the site. Uh, the site's a little wonky, but... Uh, we do get them. We do get them. Yeah, they don't They don't actually get lost. They just aren't always visible on the site. We're going to get that fixed one of these days. And, uh, Phil, a mug is on its way to you, so thanks very much for your comment. And with that, let me introduce our guest, Jeffrey Fritz. He is a .net developer based in Norristown, Pennsylvania. And since 2000, Jeffrey has architected, designed, and developed software-as-a-service web applications for Fortune 500 companies, cable networks, and investment managers. At TechEd North America in June 2012, Jeffrey announced and released the QUnit Metro open-source testing tool for the Windows 8 JavaScript development framework. You can find Jeff lurking on Twitter under the C-Sharp Fritz handle and blogging at csharpfritz.com. That's C-Sharp spelled out. Welcome, and uh, you. this is a kind of an honor for us because not only, Jeff, uh, are you a, a .NET Rocks fan club member who won a Telerik Ultimate Collection, but you are also a contestant on Speaker Idol at TechEd 2012. Yes, I am. I, uh, I had a good time there. It was, it was good fun, and it was great exposure for me and a, a good opportunity to, to show my stuff in front of a bigger audience there. Yeah, it's cool. And and I'm sure you got some good tips, but we were really impressed with your uh your QUnit Metro uh framework. So, why don't you tell us about that? So, Microsoft has been uh they've been hosting these developer boot camps to get people up and ready for for building Metro apps in Windows 8, right? Windows 8 we know is coming out in October and we want to get our apps ready and in the store. So, I attended one of these one of these training sessions, it was an all-day session at my local Microsoft office, and I was real excited to go through it, and I'm, I'm learning about how to do these things, you know, using XAML and C-sharp, and then HTML and JavaScript, and it was, it was really interesting to me, because I, I have some eh, minor experience writing phone apps, 
And really, a lot of my experience is building web applications, building HTML. I mean, I've been slinging HTML and JavaScript for years. So XAML never really clicked for me. So when I saw HTML and JavaScript was an option for writing these apps, I jumped right on it. So I'm going through and learning how to write these apps. And the problem that stuck out in my head was when I'm writing my C-sharp code normally to write ASP.NET MVC or, or a Windows Forms or a WPF app, I want to write some strong unit tests on that so that it works, so that I'm guaranteed that my app works properly as I release new right. revisions. Unit testing is good. Oh, it's very good. Oh, my gosh. I'm just kind of amazed at the idea of unit testing JavaScript. Yeah, it is an amazing idea. It is. In the software-as-a-service websites that we write uh, at, at the company I work for and for other organizations I've worked for, we write so much great interactive client-side code in JavaScript that we do run into issues where versioning that JavaScript and how it functions on other browsers isn't always something you can rely on. So we started rolling out unit test practices in JavaScript, and it it's worked great. We have you know great success with these things. So my thinking as I was looking at the HTML and JavaScript to build a Metro app was, why can't I apply that here? So it, I wanted to demonstrate how to do that type of testing for, for Speaker Idle, for at TechEd. And wiring up the standard QUnit library that the jQuery team wrote many, mm. many years ago just didn't work. There were all kinds of little problems that it threw, errors that came out as I was working with that library inside Windows 8. And I said, you know what, this is, this is a good opportunity for, for me to help fix this problem. Let's, mm. I mean, it's JavaScript, right? It's open source. We can all see the code. So let's adapt that so that it meets our needs inside Windows 8. So what was the first I would say almost classic problem that you or or maybe biggest problem that you fixed. So one of the things that that you hit right away when you're writing JavaScript inside the Metro, the WinRT environment, is you can't add new items to the DOM as as you're going along and coding a page. You have to change things that already exist there. So or you have to sanitize your code actually. So what I ended up doing was going through and having to change all these places where QUnit was putting a report on the page of, you know, here's my test results, so that it was sanitized code and it was working with and manipulating a, a block of HTML that was already on the page. Once I reworked that, there were a couple other pieces that fell in line pretty quickly around how tests get started, when they run. And uh, it, it's worked out pretty well. I think we've got a, a good base to get started with. So um, the next steps that we're really looking at are around automating those tests. At, at this point, you, you run your unit tests by starting up your app, and then the application bar that appears at the bottom of the Windows 8 screen, uh, there's a run test button that we put on there when QUnit is present. Uh, you click on that, and we'll go through, run the tests, and present the test report. That's great for one-off testing as we're going along, but I'm a big fan of Telerik Just Code and my my continuous integration practices. I want to be able to run these things outside of the application and get that feedback immediately. Absolutely. So that's the next step that we need to cross here, and we've 
we've been writing some code to cross the boundary of how do I send this information back from Metro to you know my productivity app like Adjust Code or the Visual Studio 2012 test results pane or into my continuous integration tool like a TFS or a or a um, Team City. So it's an interesting gulf to cross, but we're getting there. There's the, the rudimentary testing that you can do inside the app is now present, where before, out of the box, you had no way to test your app. So these are good things. Is there anything that the that your version of QUnit, QUnit Metro, um, brings to the table that just wouldn't be possible with the original? The, um, the test report that comes out is... It looks a little bit more metro. It fits into the to the user interface um, a little bit better. So, I mean, there's a look and feel that's there. The original way that QUnit runs is it it runs on the page as soon as you load the page. Mm-hmm. Well, now we've introduced a button so that you can kind of keep it hidden in the background if you just want to go through and do exploratory testing. Mm-hmm. And then you can press that button to run through all your automated tests on the page as you get to it. So... We've separated the process a little bit to to make it more seamless with the tablet or the the metro experience, um, but that's that's up for change in the future as as the platform evolves, as this right. metro platform evolves, and we learn more. And you have been you have said that you've learned a lot about the metro platform by writing for it. What are what are the some of the revelations that have come to you through the process of developing QUnit Metro? So. Primarily, when I when I write JavaScript for web applications, I I use enclosures. I use you know simple global function structures at times just to work with what's on a web page. So what this has taught me in going through this open source development process is a good way to to package up this JavaScript to make it deployable um, so that, you know, you can do a NuGet package and go and install this tool and other tools. In working with the framework, I've learned how to use MVVM types of architecture inside my application a little bit more effectively, uh, learning how to use things like Backbone so that we can stub out and replace calls out to to the XML HTTP request object, or XHR as we see it in the Wayne RT framework. Um, you don't want to make those calls from a unit test. You want to stub that out and force you know a guaranteed response that we always expect to happen. Right. It's it's been a good learning experience for me as well, and and it's one that I hope to share as I go through this process. This portion of the tablet show is brought to you by our good friends at Telerik. Hey, can you ever have too many free tools to complement your development skills? I didn't think so. So our friends at Telerik are giving you now more than thirty free products for application development, automated testing, agile project management, and content management. And we're talking free, free. Not a trial, not a demo, but free, complete products supported by a community of over 440,000 developers at Telerik Forums. From free ASP.NET AJAX, ASP.NET MVC, and Silverlight controls, to the free ORM solution and automated testing framework, to free agile management tools and content management systems, all of these and more are available to you for immediate download at Telerik.com slash free stuff. Most of the free products can be used for commercial purposes and give you access to supplemental support resources such as documentation and forms. Go to Telerik.com slash free stuff now 
and take full advantage of the available free-of-charge products. And don't forget to thank them for supporting The Tablet Show. So QUnit itself, I'm just looking at the project. It, it, it seems like I mean, it's off on its own site. It's part of the jQuery folks. Uh, is it sort of stable and mature? They're not really changing it much anymore? No, it really is very stable. They they aren't changing it too much anymore. They they're only modifying it to keep up with the browsers as they change. Right. QUnit is the library that the jQuery team uses to ensure that jQuery works on all of our browsers. Nice. That that's that's impressive to me. I mean, if that's what we're using and it works so well, that's a great place for us to start as Windows developers. I don't know enough about Win8 JavaScript to really understand how many things are different here that you need to test for. Because it because this is the shocker engine, right? It gets deeply into accessing Windows itself. What about those calls? How do you unit test for those? So what I found is some of those things that we do get into that that are deep inside of Windows, that's where the MVVM types of approach really works well for us because yeah. we can we can stub them out, right? right? JavaScript is a dynamic language. So where we would normally reference, uh, I'm going to go back to H XHR because it's a, a great example here of a dependency we can remove, right? Where I would normally reference that XML request out to, you know, the file system or out to another web server. I can remove that and force it to go to my content or respond the way that I want it to. Some of my best tests are making sure that that, when that XHR object throws an error, mm -hmm. we handle it properly. Those are the best tests, in my opinion, because you don't want your customers to, your end users to have that, oh, there's another error message inside my application experience. Nobody likes to see error messages, alert boxes, these types of things. There's something about that, too. Oh, it's very jarring. It's it's so unsettling. And and for a lot of people who do read it, they get, oh my gosh, look what happened. You know, they get so concerned. And then you've got a whole nother class of people that just see a, a message box pops up. It doesn't they, it doesn't matter what it says in that box. They just click OK and keep yeah. right on going. The JavaScript in, in a Metro 8 application is different from JavaScript in a browser. For example, I'm thinking of, and Richard was just talking about this, and you were talking about stubbings as an ex as a way to uh, get around that. But what about things like promises and asynchrony? You know, when you're when you're dealing with that kind of fundamental difference in the language, how can you test an asynchronous method in JavaScript? Honestly, that's that's a real good question, and it's one that people who who unit test C sharp code or Java code or you know whatever other code that is running asynchronously they have a real hard time testing that and how can we force these things to behave and return immediately and get that fast feedback on a unit test honestly Carl I don't have an answer to that question yet but it's yeah. it's a real good question that we should probably solve at some point here well it seems <laughs> like you know in, in testing T there's a whole lot of software practices that have evolved to make testing easier. Do you know what I mean? Because it is so valuable. And mock objects is one of those technologies that, you know, it sort of fakes out the system. It says, oh, you don't need, we don't have an object that's going to actually touch our database. We're going to use this fake object with this fake data instead. But when you're talking about asynchronous methods, man, I mean, gee, I don't know if there is like a, a, a way to fake out the system so that we can 
without having some sort of serious asynchronous mock framework or something along those lines. Yeah, it's a it's a real hard problem to solve. Multi unit testing multi-threaded apps is real hard to it's do. Very hard. So it's it's something that we as a community really need to look at and and figure out as we embrace these new capabilities that are being that are being made available to us. Yeah, just because it's JavaScript doesn't mean it's simple. Exactly. I guess your point is well taken, which is you know this isn't a problem that's specific to you. No, not at all. This is a problem that works not just in JavaScript, but. So what does it look like testing a Win8 Metro app? Because now you're not in a browser. I mean, you're still writing in JavaScript and using HTML, but you're, you're, you are compiling to an executable? The HTML and JavaScript apps, they aren't actually an executable, right? They actually, they actually get zipped up and delivered as, a, as an encrypted zipped package. Hmm. So you're not testing an executable per se, right? You're... You're testing within this zipped package that's been unpacked and been made available in a hidden area of the operating system for us to work with. Okay. So as you reference these other components that you're that you've put into your solution into your project, they're there for you. And if you reference them relatively to the with respect to the root of the project, they're there. You can get to them, but not necessarily in an absolute path. If right. absolute pathing inside this will will kill you, you'll find yourself looming somewhere out there on on disk that you didn't know you were at. <laughs> and, and maybe we're a little off subject here, but I'm still trying to explore what it's like to develop HTML and JavaScript in Win8, knowing that it's not actually web. It's not on the internet per se. It's not uh, uh, in a browser. Like they, they, I feel like all of my assumptions about the development will be wrong. It's it's not that far off from the web. Um, the the single page application model fits pretty well here, where you know you have a single HTML page that has spots allocated for different pieces of content to be loaded in, right. and your, your JavaScript can load that external content and bring it into these different locations, right? So our, our grid view uh, apps have this, this rich grid of content that we're loading and populating with content from outside, and you do end up in a, in a development mindset that's similar to that. Now there's additional controls and things that we configure and we tell our divs and spans to behave like. Right. But for the most part, it's it's similar. You just need to learn these couple of extra nuances that the WinRT framework gives you when you say, oh, by the way, this div is a grid. Yeah. And what are you typically calling out to? You're calling to an OData service for your data set primarily? Sure, you can call out to an O data service. You can call out to a RESTful service that's out mm -hmm. there that delivers whatever JSON content, XML content. It JSON works real well because you're in JavaScript and it's real easy to parse and lay out the data in the same format. Right. So, really, it's it's up to you what kind of format data you want to go and hit. And I'm just, and I'm just thinking about working in the constraints that Win Eight gives, where we're not going to call directly to a database. We have to call to a service. Yeah, that was that was such a big shock to me. I'm looking at this and saying, "Where's my ado.net objects? <laughs> I, yeah. I want a new SQL connection, and yeah, I can't you do. You that. don't get none of that, exactly. No. So 
Right. So then, all right, I've got to stand up a, a service that I can communicate with, a, a RESTful service. And then things like Web API become much more valuable mm-hmm. for my Metro app to communicate with. You use Nancy for that? Oh, I love the, the Nancy web server is, is a real nice little tool for that type of thing. Absolutely. Tell us about that. I mean, we've talked a little bit about it on other shows, but just tell us a little bit about Nancy. Sure. So Nancy is a is a little web server that's actually modeled after the the Ruby uh, web server called Sinatra. So as as with most of our open source projects in .NET, we're gonna if we're gonna clone something from another framework and bring it into .NET, we're gonna prefix it with an N. Nice. Well, N Sinatra doesn't sound right, so they called it Nancy. So Nancy Sinatra. Okay. Uh, Works for- these tests were made for testing. Nice. Yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> Sorry, I had to say that. <laughs> <Or there. laughs> so we can we can stand up this Nancy web server and host it within another process. We don't need IIS to host HTML content, dynamic JavaScript content that we're delivering. You know, we can host Razor views inside of a Nancy process that could be running from within a Windows Forms app, from within a WPF app, or a you know a Windows service. Or you could even run that from within a unit test, a C sharp unit test. Um, that makes things really interesting then, because we can start to test behavior of our clients going to a fixed server that we control within a unit test library. And I think to Richard's point here, it's one of the reasons we're letting you talk and we're listening and going, uh-huh a lot is because, you know, not only do we not do JavaScript on, uh, you know, JavaScript testing in general, but we don't do JavaScript on Metro. So we're just trying to Im- imagine the questions that an expert actually might ask you. Sure. But I mean, the big part with, Unit testing is is a high level of automation. You want this to run every time you want to do a check-in. And at this point, there's no automation? Right. There is no automation with the with the QUnit Metro uh, client testing library. So we need to figure out how we're going to automate that and how we're going to get the test results to come back into, into Visual Studio, into our... Uh, continuous integration tool so that on those check-ins, we get that fast feedback that, hey, you broke something when you check this in. So we're trying to cross that boundary at this point. That's not a simple problem because of the context you're running and you've got to somehow inject some some handler code by the test automation framework that says, okay, now enact all the tests and give me the feedback. Exactly. And then not just give me the feedback, but that metro environment, it's really sandboxed. I right. can't reach out to the rest of the operating system very easily. I might be able to reach out to your SkyDrive, but how do I reach outside of that? Mm-hmm. And I think we might have an answer with the XHR object. We might mm-hmm. be able to reach out post into some known service that's either hosted by Visual Studio or hosted by our continuous integration tool and submit our results that way. And you are on GitHub, right? Yes, we are on GitHub. Uh, You can go to github.com slash QUnitMetro, and you'll find the project out there. Um, It's small. We have a couple contributors at this point, but uh, with Windows 8 release looming here in October, we are are hoping to see some steam pick up. Uh, I'm sure you will. uh, You've done a lot of thinking about living in a post-PC world. 
in the tablet space that that is to follow here the next generation what uh what kinds of devices do you have so right now carl i'm running with a i have a, an ipad that i carry that well an ipad 2 here um, that I'm using actually to help test and verify some of my web applications are are compatible, are compliant, so that they they work for even even our brethren that are using iOS devices. Um, Isn't that kind of like saying I read Playboy for the articles? I mean, uh, <laughs> I mean come on, it's no. a cool device. You know, you don't it have is. to you, you don't have to say this is why I need an iPad because I have to test my software. No, you know, it, it's you pretty what, freaking honestly, cool. It, it is a cool device, and and it's it's that portable TV that I can hand off to my my eight year old daughter, and she can sit there and watch, you know, the the Barbie video. She can watch, you know, the latest whatever on Netflix, mm-hmm. and and honestly, I'm I'm so entrenched in looking at and working with this Windows eight stuff over the past three four months that I'm I'm stepping away from it, and I'm I'm really getting more entrenched in working with. Windows 8 running natively on my laptop. Yeah. I mean, I'm I'm real eager to see how this runs on a tablet, to see how these Surface devices, oh, you yeah. know, integrate and and play in a in a world where iPad is the dominant tablet, and we and we see the Google Nexus device come out and they sell out of them in in what was it a week or two? Yeah. So. Yep. How is Microsoft and and their army of devices going to move into this? This ecosystem and compete we've seen how they moved in with the xbox and they really they competed well in their first year and they they took over and dominated in years two and three against playstation 3 mm-hmm. and the nintendo wii how's the surface going to come in it, it's interesting when you when you show that windows 8 interface to to non-technical people who aren't in and seeing these previews these announcements like we are at build mm. and and they see in the the tiles, and I show my mother, my my sixty year old mother, and she looks at this and, and she says, "Jeff, you got to have ADD with all these live tiles spinning." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> touch me, touch me. Yeah, yeah. What? And and then there's pictures of my granddaughter spinning by in the corner. No, no, stop! I wanted to go back to that previous yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. It's overwhelming to some people, but as they get into it and they understand how they can work with those tiles and how Windows eight. And that Metro interface becomes your life's dashboard. I have found that uh, showing my Lumia 900 to people who have never seen it before, you know, the first question is, what kind of phone is that? And then yes. when I tell them, they, and, you know, they look at the tiles and stuff, it's it's immediately very, very desirable. So I think I think Microsoft's on to something good here. I'm, I'm with you. I, I, I think that the, the Surface is going to, be great you know as long as they can make enough of them to keep up with demand hey i don't want i don't mean to derail this i want to jump back a little bit because you said something jeff that really twigged me you're still building traditional html5 style apps i love that i just said that ah, traditional, traditional html5, HTML5. <laughs> I, uh, I, i'm now amused <laughs> but how hard is it to change gears switching from html javascript in a browser construction to html javascript win 8 construction like do do you make mistakes do you find you're crossing over i occasionally i find that i make mistakes and that's where something like a a unit test framework really helps me yeah Um, and uh, i'm a big fan of continuous testing so as i'm working in my html5 javascript 
environment, I'm getting that rich feedback as I'm typing, as I'm going along encoding. Oh, you know what? This doesn't compile. You know, oh, we don't have those libraries available to us. You know, Visual Studio has been very helpful in this because, right, the IntelliSense that it's giving me shows that these libraries aren't available to you. I get my red squiggly line. What are you doing mm. trying to reach into this library that's not in ASP.NET? So, yeah, I'm I'm doing the pivot back and forth between the two. It's it hasn't been too jarring. Mm-hmm. Um, the the HTML5 stuff has been an interesting universe to step into because of all the great new features we get th- that are available to us in the Metro environment. We right. can geolocation. Mm. We, our offline story in HTML5 is limited to only 25 meg on some devices. Where when I'm in Metro, I've got SkyDrive at my assets. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I've got five gig available. Yeah. Right. So it's similar. It's part of me thinks I need to keep some sort of a uh, an indicator here by my by my laptop that okay, you're in Metro mode now. You need to be thinking these <laughs> yeah. types of things. You know. Well, and you described building Metro apps very much a single page application style. Can you can but can you do page to page? Does that make sense? Sure, sure. Page to page absolutely makes sense. Um, we see that in in a couple of our sample apps. There's a there's a real good set of sample apps that Microsoft is publishing for us that we can we can get into and we can look at. Um, there's a Contoso cookbook that that has been released that you can get into and you can see how they go from uh, a top level screen that shows you here's a couple of different groups of dishes that you can cook here's chinese dishes french dishes italian and you can click on those and it actually opens another html page with a real smooth transition and actually it it looks like it loads it to us web developers but when you uh, when you peel back the metro layers you see it actually takes that html content loads it up and injects it into a, a base layer default htm page and huh. overlays what was already there so it's almost as if every app says single page application you're always working with the same context yeah you you are working with the same content it's we've had the the wool pulled over our eyes so that we can work in that multi-page mentality that, right. that many of us are used to so rather than just replacing out a div tag you are replacing out the whole page right but it happens seamlessly for us so it's not something that you have to conscientiously do right you know getting back to QUnit metro have have you obviously get feedback a lot do you do you ever find that people want to use it in ways that you didn't anticipate or use it with other tools that are meant for javascript and not for you know winjs I have seen some people use it with with jQuery directly. Now jQuery is intended to be used with with HTML and there are some things that it can't do inside the metro environment natively, but I have seen people use the two together and really they were designed to work together originally. But um that type of transition to use jQuery to to navigate through the control hierarchy, that's something that that you know, is very handy. It's something that that is very acceptable, expected from web users who are getting into developing for Metro. There are new ways to do that inside the Metro environment that will get you controls a little bit easier and actually get you the real control and not the HTML object that's masquerading as a control. Yeah. So 
it's it's a fine practice. You know, I I expect to see all kinds of different ways that people are going to use the library. I guess what I'm getting at is uh, any stumbling blocks out there. Like somebody somebody says, you know, I'm trying to use it with this tool, and you know, it's it the tool has to be rewritten to work with Metro in order for it to work. No, I haven't seen anything like that yet, but we, we are early in the process here. I, I do expect to see a lot of feedback as as people do get into um, get into developing more Metro apps and, and we get closer to release. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly after they hear this podcast and they learn about the project, I've, I've ha- had people pick up and learn about the project through, you know, just hitting Google or, or Bing. Um, and and I expect to see some articles pop up in some magazines over the next couple months introducing a, a testing technique like this for how you're going to build these apps and build them reliably. Yeah. Well, I hope to have you come back on the Tablet Show after Build and uh, the release of Windows 8 subsequent to that and all of that stuff and hope wish you good luck in the future. Oh, thanks a lot, Carl. Thanks a lot, Richard. I really appreciate it. You guys have uh, have done a lot here by, by letting me talk about QUnit Metro here on on the show and and uh, certainly talking about it at TechEd. It's, it's been a lot of fun. All right. And we'll see you next time on The Tablet Show. It's not too much, but it means a lot. Just try.